everybody, and welcome to an emotional wild ride with Steve-O. Can you believe that we made it to a hundred episodes? I'm fighting back the tears just to think about it. And this episode really is special. I've got my sister. She was the first supporter of me in this silly career. She knows so much about me, and she's going to serve up the juice for you. Man, and you know what? You know who's going to really serve up a killer deal for you it's Harry's what's Harry's it's what I use to shave my face and I love it I've just gotta have it man I gotta have it on my tour bus in my little travel toiletry kit at home on my van oh come on dude I don't go anywhere without Harry's it's the best shaving products you can get and they've got the best deal for the listeners of the Wild Ride podcast if you go to harrys.com slash Stevo and you're a first customer first time then they're gonna hook you up with the starter kit it's got the weighted ergonomic handle the five blade razor the cool travel cover the foaming shave gel with aloe that starter kit is a 13 dollars value and they're going to give it to you for just three bucks if you go to harrys.com slash stevo i love it i've been using them for years even for what almost two years before they got in business with me i'm a proud customer of Harry's and I want you to be too so go to harrys.com slash Stevo. Now let's get into it. I'm so proud of you. Thank you Cindy Wynn. All right well I'm gonna keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen my sister Cynthia Claire Glover. Oh fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy Wynn. Cindy. It's funny the first thing I said at work is um <laughs> It's not Cynthia, it's Cindy. I only get called Cynthia when I'm in trouble. It started with mom. Cynthia Claire Glover, you get down here right this minute, which I didn't hear very often, and so it was very, very distressing. Um, or the you know when you get pulled over, Cynthia Claire Glover, do you know how fast you were going? Wow. So that's my I'm in trouble name. Like okay. when 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 everything is good, I'm Cindy. So let's just start right there. Yeah. Speaking so of Cindy. names that uh, we don't like. <laughs> My middle oh, name. Oh, Stephen Gilchrist Glover? <laughs> my, well, my middle name is Gilchrist. And, uh, it's very English of you. Right. It was my grandfather's middle name. But at some point, I want to say I was like, well, how old would I have been? Like seven or eight? Maybe a tad younger because it was Connecticut. And, and Cindy started calling me Gilly. <laughs> and like she said, hey Gilly and I don't even know why but I was so upset about that and because I was upset Cindy wouldn't hammer it a little harder yeah not that Cindy I had so few levers that you know when I found one not that Cindy was particularly mean but that that's probably the, the, the meanest you ever were I'll take that yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. That's good. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. Gilly, gilly, gilly. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, when you were about 12 and I was 15, it became apparent that at some point in the not very distant future, you were going to physically get bigger than me. And my days of being able to sit on you and beat you up if needed were numbered. So I was going to need the psychological advantage. 
since the physical edge was rapidly evaporating. And I think that's probably about the time I started calling you Squirt, which you didn't mind. And it became your tag. You spray painted it yeah. on the side of the building at the University of Miami and put it on your skateboards and, <laughs> you know. Um, and I still call you Squirt. And to yep. my kids, you know, sometimes your uncle Squirt. But um, the... Uh, yeah, that was that would that replaced Gilly. I was gonna right. say they got to see their uncle squirt last night. <laughs> ah, my finest parenting moment. <laughs> Man, bravo! Yeah, last night I was mortified. Well, I mean, whatever. I wasn't mortified, but but it was definitely like there was sensitivity to the fact that my sister was watching footage of me ejaculating on camera. What about your well, niece? I had seen yeah. it before, but said, said I shielded cast for two decades. <laughs> But uh, she's 20, and last night, she, you know, both at the premiere and last night, she saw rather a lot of her uncle's penis. That, yeah, I was sitting next to Cindy when they put the bees on your dick. And they were like, oh, no. Yeah. The bucket list tour is a little bit more aggressive than Jackass. Um, but yeah, so, um, I mean, like, what what to talk about? I mean, there's so, there's so much... Um, I, I want to thank you, as I always have, for being the earliest supporter of my choice to try to become a professional idiot. <laughs> like, uh, really, really, Cindy was, was behind me before anybody else was. When was that choice made? I made that like choice officially in 1993 when I dropped out of the University of Miami. I was couch surfing for three years and ended up moving in with my sister in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, she she was behind me. But what was, was, what was the choice to become a professional idiot? I, well, I was going to be, I was trying to become a famous stuntman by videotaping idiotic stunts with my home video camera. And there was no precedent for that. Cindy was a supporter. She let me live in her house. And... She found out about... T t t tell uh, a little bit about how you feel about the way I uh, tell the story of you taking a dump in... in <laughs> is, that, is that accurate? It is. Um, so in Albuquerque, I was the city hall reporter, and um, we had a little bureau downtown separate from the main city hall... Uh, or uh, Sorry, the main newspaper office. And um, there were five of us in this downtown bureau... Um, At the Albuquerque Tribune. Albuquerque Journal. Oh, the Albuquerque Journal. Ooh, yeah, Dare Tribune you. was the enemy. Mm. That was that was the rival. Um, but uh, we had this bathroom, and um, one of the, the reporters there had put like a little table with some flowers in it. And, you know, it was it was pretty cozy because mm -hmm. there were just five of us in this office, and we had like an, an e lounging chair and a couple of other things. And there were some magazines, and there was a trivia book in the bathroom. And this was before cell phones. This would have been 1995, probably? 96. I'm 96, okay. So cell phones weren't really, you know, a thing. You didn't take your phone into the bathroom with you. And it actually would have been, I moved to Albuquerque in 96, but this would have been 97. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, in the era before cell phones, if you were planning on spending more than just a couple of seconds in the bathroom, you might pick up whatever was lying around. Mm -hmm. um, and so I often would read some of the trivia things, um, just passing time. Um, and uh, one of the little items was what is, um, you know, one of the only universities or, or colleges in the country that doesn't have any tuition. Um, 
and is statistically harder to get into than Harvard. Or maybe that's something you came up with later. But um, And it was the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Clown College in Sarasota that had auditions, you know, throughout the year for each class and then um, didn't charge any tuition. And I thought, Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Clown College, like, that could be a way to legitimize all, like, that could be awesome. Because at the time, you had signed up you'd been in and out of school but i'd encouraged you to um sign up at unm and you took right. a gymnastics class yeah and that was when and you really wanted the standing backflip and you worked really hard on it and you got it um and uh you'd always done a couple of bar tricks for beer because you know um but you went to the uh, uh we found out that um i did some research i found out that there were auditions coming up and yeah. You tell the story better than I do. Well, I, I remember. It was the very same day you took the dump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it all started when I, you know. Yeah, when my sister was taking a dump. And uh, I, I came home from school. I was in, in the university, and I came home. There was a note on the kitchen table that said, Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Clown College. Apparently, tuition is free if you can get in. And I still saved that note. I still have it. And um, so I, I thought, oh, okay, well, this is cool. And I called up uh, the, the phone number, and um, I think it was just a voicemail that said, uh, I was getting ready to tell him oh, how I'm a rad stuntman. <laughs> yeah. It was just a voicemail saying, if you want an audition schedule, then leave a, you know, your address. And, and so I left the address and didn't think about it too much. And then uh, when the audition schedule came in the mail, I had been... I wasn't home. I, I I was on Ryan Simonetti's floor barfing all over his carpet, like with alcohol poisoning. I've seen the footage, I think, of that. Yeah, the <laughs> one where I'm at the, the top of the stairs. Uh -huh. And, and uh, so I was very hungover when I came home to find this piece of mail for me with uh, you know, the audition schedule. And I looked down it and it said, Albuquerque, you know, for the class of 1998, there's a cutoff line. Mm -hmm. I saw Albuquerque, so it's not for the next, it's not until next year, so whatever, and I just was hungover, and I just mm -hmm. put it back down, I went to go smoke pot at my buddy's house. And uh, then when I came home, I walked in, and Cindy was very stern. She says, how are you getting to Denver by Monday? She insisted. Yeah, <laughs> why, because you were such a good roommate? Because above, <laughs> because above the line, there was an audition for... Uh, college in were Denver. you were you before that the type of guy to say that like because i feel like nowadays you would have been like oh the they're not coming to albuquerque for another year so i'm gonna go to denver or i'm gonna figure out how to do it sooner you wouldn't be just like oh, i'll just i'll just wait then like were you that type of guy and is cindy kind of like when you when he said to you i want to be a crazy stunt man were you kind of like well okay you're gonna have to fucking make some shit happen here like you gotta get some skills or something like was it kind of a you know what I'm saying? Our dad, um, in his youth, it, it sold encyclopedias or something, and um, he raised us. There were a couple of quirks in how we were raised. It might not be everybody's experience. And um, one of the things that he learned that he passed on to us is that no is a request for further information. <laughs> <laughs> No just means they obviously didn't understand the first time, yeah, so amazing. you need to rephrase. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that, that was one of the things we learned. So um, we, you know, the other thing is, it doesn't really matter what you're going to do, but if you're going to do it, rock. You know, like, go balls out. Do 
really do it hard. Um, we don't really half-ass anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be a sucker who loves animals, fucking adopt a bajillion of them, you know? Yeah. Um, whatever it is, do it well. Um, because doing anything half-assed is just offensive. Sure. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so when Steve came to you and was like, I want to be this famous stuntman, like... I knew you were supportive about the sort of what yeah, was so your what are you reaction. Gonna do? Yeah. Right. If that's what you want, okay, cool. What are we going to do about it? Right. Um, how can I help you? Because that was, you know, that right. was always. Yeah, I remember when one of the first things when we moved to Albuquerque, I, I had just dialed in the standing backflip. And I had taken to pouring alcohol, rubbing alcohol on my skin and lighting it and using it in my hand as a fire breathing torch. So once I was pouring rubbing alcohol on my skin and lighting it on fire, I decided, oh man, I'm going big. I'm going to pour rubbing alcohol all over my entire body and light my whole body on fire and then do a standing backflip. You know, I smeared Vaseline all over to try to make it a little bit safer. Um, and, and I chose for my first time doing this stunt, which I pictured being a pretty big one, uh, when the radio station announced that they were holding a freak of nature contest. So I called up the radio station and said, I'm going to douse my entire body with rubbing alcohol, light it up, my whole body on fire, do a standing backflip. And I guess the 90s were a different time in Albuquerque because they were like, right on, you're in. You're, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like, uh, right done. on, you're in, done. And uh, my sister was there holding the wet blanket to wrap around me to put me out. Wow. Yeah. I think I've also seen footage, I'm pretty sure it's you filming, Cindy comes in, wakes you up, and yeah. like, walks you outside, and you just do a backflip in the yeah. front yard. It's like, it felt like this is kind of like a ritual of like, Wake me up in the morning, I'll just do a backflip first thing or well, something like that. Because a backflip in and of itself, just a backflip on its own was kind of like whatever. And so I was just looking for ways to make it cooler. So like <laughs> light my whole body on fire. And I thought, what if like, I said, Cindy, like come in, you know, before I'm awake, like film me sleeping, wake me up and, and say, okay, do a backflip. And, uh... Yeah, I should do something with that footage. I had my teeth all broken and shit. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was my sister. Nobody else was like, you know, stoked to help me. Like And then after Clown College too, you were like doing a bunch of clown tricks. There's like an hour of footage where you're trying to get this one trick right and you're like, Oh like you hear you just being like so supportive, but also just sitting there the whole time filming it is like a task, you know? Yeah. And and, and because Cindy was so instrumental you know so like like without cindy's support i never would have gone to clown college you know i who, who knows you know i mean i probably would have gotten somewhere but cindy uh was was in my corner and uh and and, and i'm just forever grateful for that yeah i really really genuinely am forever grateful for that i'm just so proud of you like seriously for years we knew there were only three options you were going to be famous, incarcerated, or dead. Nothing else was even on the table. Like, there was never going to be a straight job where you wear a tie and sit at a desk. <laughs> that was, that was, mm-hmm. that was not going to happen. Um, incarceration was a distinct possibility, um, as we know from all of the mugshots that we've tried to track yeah, down over the years. It did happen a couple times, yeah. <laughs> Here and there. Mm. Um, and um, you did not protect your life as well as i would have liked um but you know certainly post sobriety 
I mean, I still have that pit in my stomach for worrying about you, and that's, you know, just hasn't gone away. Um, and we have our deal where you don't tell me about the really scary stuff until after you've survived it, and I'm grateful. Um, we started that when you were um, the spokesman for snowshoes, and you were going to get the alligator to chomp your foot wearing the skate shoe. The burden of knowing that that was going to happen. It was like was a small alligator. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's not, um, it's not but, a bad idea, dude. Yeah, maybe I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, you know, with my snowshoes, like, yeah, it's a darn good shoe. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, we've um, we've had each other's backs since we were tiny. I mean, um. You know, I often joke, uh, I'm a Glover, not a fighter, but the very first fight I ever got into was defending Steve. Um, he was about five, I was about eight, and this overweight 11-year-old kid in our neighborhood was smearing snow in his face. And I, I don't know if you remember this, this was in I Connecticut. Um, it was winter, um, the kid was a bully, I'm sure he has a tragic backstory that I was unaware of at the time, his name was Jeffrey. Um... But uh, he was, like, making fun of you and smearing snow in your face. You were five. He was, like, 11. And I gave him a bloody nose. Nice. And he didn't mess with you again. Um, um, but we moved around a lot. And, um, you know, I think, I think um, when that happens, you're always the new kid. So you became, like, the show-off and class clown. And I just found the smart kids. Like, <laughs> where are my people? Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, we only had each other as playmates. You know, it wasn't like... Eventually, you would have your friends and I would have my friends. But every couple of years, there would be this starting over and it was just us. And Yeah. Um, we recently had, like, what for me was a really intense experience. Um, I uh, was sitting down with a, a writer from GQ who was writing a, a story for uh, the GQ website on me. And I was trying to articulate to him how intense the alcoholism on our mom's side of the family was. And, and I was like, I was getting ready to tell him the story as I understood it, but I was like, you know, let me call up Cindy and... See, so I got Cindy on the phone. I had her on speakerphone. The, the reporter has his tape recorder out. And I'm like, Cindy... Like, uh, it, it, am I right in remembering that our grandma's second husband died in her apartment and, like, she sat there and drank with the body until she was, like, out of alcohol and then, and then like, dealt with the situation? Cindy said, no, I do not believe that's the case. But what was really just a call about that one quick question turned into, like, a half an hour, uh... Like of just being on the speakerphone with the and the, the the reporter wrote about it in the story saying he felt like he was eavesdropping, but then he thought like, well, hold on a second, this fucking asshole. Like, well, <laughs> he knew I was here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like he he wrote that really masterfully well uh -huh. too. But um, I I was saying to Cindy that she did everything right when we were kids. I did everything wrong that I was just like a, a, a fuck up and like, you know, and, and, and Cindy said, Cindy told this story about when our mom suffered an aneurysm and how, and it was just like, it, 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 
kind of shocked my system. You know, she she described me in a way that tell the story. It's, well, it was, it was, well, I mean, let's just start with you being the fuck up. Like that is just not at all how I remember it ever. Um, but uh, when we were growing up, mom and dad used to have a lot of like dinner parties and stuff, and um, I guess because they were bored. Or whatever. I think you know. the word is bawling. <laughs> <laughs> Having your kids perform tricks to entertain your guests is apparently like was a thing. Uh-huh. And so, um, and and dad being a businessman, you know, he would give Steve a buck to do a hundred push-ups. Um, and I don't or, think they were like, they were they were. I don't know what. I, I wish there was and, video of that happening because. And I would get a buck to either sing "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina" from Evita. Or um, tomorrow from Annie. Um, sometimes, uh, if they were all in the backyard where we had a pool, you know, I'd get a buck for a hundred laps. <laughs> Whatever it was. I mean, it, it, this was entertainment. You remember this, right? Oh, I absolutely remember. Yeah. It. Um, but uh, we were certainly like growing up. You, your athleticism. Like they, dad and mom, mom and dad actually went to your little league games. They didn't really go to any of my gymnastics. Um, I was not. I was not a particularly good athlete. Didn't matter. You were an enthusiastic athlete, um, and you guys had that bonding. Like as a family, we went to some Miami Dolphins games, and I always brought my Nancy Drew book. And so they'd be like watching the game and mom and dad would place bets with Ted Toby Ferrani. I want to put a nickel on whatever. It, you know, it was all by phone back in the day. And um, they, they, there was a code. I just remember it was Ted Toby Ferrani. I guess I Toby that. referred Ted to the bookie Ronnie. And um, you'd put a nickel or a dime, like 500 or 1,000 on whatever game. And, and oh, I had dude. learned about the point spread. But you guys had our, that. Our parents had like like four fucking TVs set up in the living room because they had to be watching all four games because they were betting on all four wow. games. Wow. I mean, they, it was... They were gnarly. They were betters, too? They were they, they, they absolutely... I mean, they weren't, like, gambling not Definitely problem. not gambling addicts, but it Just was... Just kind of made it more fun. But, yeah, I mean, but back This is how day, people entertained themselves, sure. you know? Like, yeah. you, life was a little different before Netflix and chill or, you know, before internet well, people and still stuff. gamble on games, I think, a good amount. Does but your dad I, still gamble on sports I, I and don't shit? Th- I don't think dad... Maybe he does, maybe he does. No, I don't think so. Um, um, at the football games, Cindy's reading her Nancy Drew books, and I got the binoculars just looking at the cheerleaders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, you know, people... There's that joke where people say, you know, I'm like a football widow or whatever. I was a football orphan. Like my my parents and my brother had this thing that I just kind of wasn't a part of. I was long for the ride. So um, you were, you know, it was almost like in that show Matilda where they're like, what's wrong with her? You know, why can't you get with the program? Um, But it's funny because I was a teacher for 10 years, um, career 2.0. And um, I remember saying, you know, my C students my my A students are going to be working for my C students because the A students, you know, they get told to do something unreasonable or whatever, and they just like knuckle down and and you know grind it through and get it done. And the C students are like, "What the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. My time is way more valuable than this. <laughs> you know, wow, I got to find somebody to do it for me, or how can I like half-ass it or cheat or you know game the system or just do the bare minimum so i can get back to what i really want to do um and growing up you know you were the c student and there i was like sweating bullets doing what i was told to be a good girl 
and Steve totally from the get-go you could see first of all he wasn't going to be working a, a straight job mm-hmm. <laughs> with the suit and tie but also you were not going to be the grunt you know grinding away at somebody else's direction um the whole management potential was there from the get-go um we had uh, a um a couple of fruit trees in our backyard in Miami and um dad you know at one point i'd asked for a raise in my allowance and dad pointed to the backyard and he said see those that's the money tree because it, it would get inconvenient when when they were dropping fruit and so i used to take steve around with me and we'd knock on the doors and he was younger and cuter so mm-hmm. i would make him say you know it's like three lemons for a quarter mm-hmm. or you know three avocados for a buck whatever it was at the mm-hmm. time i'm sure it was less but um he was younger and cuter but um so first of all i don't think you were always a fuck up um even though you did get in trouble a lot more than i did but you didn't care <laughs> so it was um you know for me if they said i'm disappointed in you i was like crushed for you you're like eh, all right <laughs> you know, like, that's your choice <laughs> did you though have like like a party phase of your life like no. did you struggle with drinking or drugs ever oh yeah for as much as my sister drank yeah she wasn't really a partier but I'll tell you where the party is at these days. It's in my socks drawer, thanks to Stance. Because why have the boring same old thing going on all the time when you can change it up and have fun, have your ankles and your legs dressed up like Tupac if you want. God, the creativity coming out of Stance is endless. The comfort is unmatched. And it's just so much fun having different pairs of socks for different occasions, man. I'm telling you. Plus, it's not just socks anymore. They're killing it so much. They're spreading into sweatpants, joggers, shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. And I'm telling you, you got to get in on this, man. It's at stance.com. And if you use the promo code Stevo, you're going to get 15% off your first order do yourself a favor and go to stance.com just to see how crazy the variety of creative options is you're gonna fall in love with so many of their designs and you'll be so glad to have 15% off your order at stance.com if you use the promo code stevo at checkout your feet are gonna love the way you feel and everyone's gonna be blown away by how dope you are so stance.com promo code stevo now let's talk about drinking definitely um but I consider myself 15 years smarter than Steve because I got sober for the first time at age 19. Wow. Um, sober before I got legal. And Steve didn't really, you know, get the message till he was 34. So what, you were <laughs> so drinking that makes- like so much in high school, you're like, and you quit drinking at 19? Like, uh, like a closet by myself, re- re- reclusive, like mm-hmm. secret drinker. Alum. Pass out at home. Yeah, it was not mm-hmm. a bar scene kind of drinking, right. but mm-hmm. um, it Cindy was definitely was not a slut. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, back to your point. Back to your point about like. Um, no, I was not. I believe you. <laughs> Steve I, I did enough of that for both that of for us. Yeah. Steve did enough of that for both of us. But um, when our mom first had our brain hemorrhage, or her brain hemorrhage. Um, we got the call, I want to say it was like 6.45 on a Saturday morning, um, and it was her ex-husband who she had been reconciling with, and the message was she'd had a brain hemorrhage, she was in intensive care, she might not survive the night, get down here, stat. 
Um, we were in Albuquerque. She was in Boca Raton, Florida. Steve had been partying the night before and had crashed where he landed. I called all of his bros and had them like hunt him down. And then I I was in bed with a stripper and there was a knock at the window and it was my buddy Ron Burns. He's like, you got to go. I uh, meanwhile, while his skate buddies were tracking him down, I was booking flights, um, arranging for my little sister and the Big Brothers Big Sisters program to watch my dogs because I had two dogs um, and, uh, you know, telling work I was going to be out. Um, and we were at the airport by 8.15 um, and on a flight. But the way it has always worked in a crisis is I get very wrapped up in the doing and researching. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as my brain is working or my hands are working, I'm okay. Once we got on the plane, the reality of, oh my God, you know, our mom who is 51 might die. Uh, and and there was like two and a half hours, maybe three hours from Albuquerque to my to uh, West Palm Beach, where there was just nothing to do. And that's when I fell apart. And Steve put his arm around me and he was okay. Like he totally took over on the plane and he was the, the comforting, calming, you know, presence. And I was the wreck whose brain was spinning in a million directions mm-hmm. with all of the what ifs and the regrets and the fear and the anxiety and, and all of that. And then the plane landed and we switched roles again. And, you know, I'm getting us from the airport to the car rental, you know, and getting us into the, the car and calling the hospital and getting the status updates and, and stuff like that. And we got to the hospital and um, we had rushed so hard to arrive. And then once you arrive and we saw her and she was all hooked up and it was, it was, it was horrifying. The, 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 the most disturbing sight I've ever seen was this expression on mom's face when we first got to her in her hospital bed. It, uh, it, it haunts me to this day. She was almost exactly my age when this happened. Um, uh-huh. We just recently passed the milestone um, where she was... 51 and four months when she had her brain hemorrhage. I am now 51 and five months old. Wow. Um, And it feels so weird. Like, I am now having more, like, I've passed the amount of active time that she got. Mm -hmm. Like, she lived another five years, but in a greatly incapacitated way. So I'm now kind of older than she was, which is is weird. And I still don't feel nearly, nearly as grown up as mom and dad always seemed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I, I always heard Steve talk about your mommy. Besides the parties and the the family, the dinners and all that, what what kind of person was she? I mean, I I, I don't know too much about her. Dad was so successful and and like you know this super driven, motivated businessman and really like uh, like good good at life, but he wasn't good at like social people he's emotionally defective (laughs) (laughs) he's just a fucking straight ceo he's a robot we love our robot but you know like emotionally he's missing a few like lines of programming or code Uh because um he has always (laughs) needed people to explain you know chalkboard and pointer style but um that but, diverges from the story. But, right, right. But, but we maintain that mom was way smarter yeah. than dad, way funnier than dad, and way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, kind of fragile in her yeah. way, but definitely smarter, cooler, more social. Um, but Better when we looking. got. <laughs> but when, 
I don't know. Um, when we got back to the, um, when we got to the hotel, or to, sorry, to the hospital, and mom was there and she was all hooked up, um, we were allowed to see her very briefly, but ICU is, there are a lot of rules. And um, the, uh, we went out to the waiting room and I was just like sitting and waiting not my strong suit. We had visited mom a few months earlier and she had bought a computer that was still in the box at her house that had not been plugged in yet. Mm. And so that first night we negotiated that Steve was going to stay and sleep on the floor of the um, hospital waiting room. And I was going to go back to mom's house, plug in the computer and start researching everything there was to know, you know, 10 years of the Journal of the American Medical Association, the Neurological Association, the state of the art for, you know, the googly Amy coiling procedures and transcranial Doppler radar and, and what we needed, you know, where were the centers of excellence for a brain hemorrhage, you know, a subarachnoid hemorrhage and, and all of that. And so I spent all night reading medical journals and reaching out to anybody I knew, including our dad, who might have, you know, who played golf with doctors, who might have connections. And um, Steve held down the fort. And of course, you know, because we're Glovers, we've never met a crisis we can't sleep through. You know, <laughs> when, when the going gets tough, the tough take naps. Um, it's, a, it's a family saying. Like, that's still true for Steve. Yeah. Naps yeah. for the win. I, I didn't realize Naps that, are survival. Uh, like, um, we nap like champs. Yeah. But Steve, you know, stayed there. Sleep I couldn't. Sleep I, up, yeah. I could not have left and done all of that research if he hadn't been able to stay. Mm-hmm. And then day, you know, we we transferred her. We made decisions, and even though I was on all of the paperwork as the official decision maker, the durable power of attorney, and all of that, because having only two children, she chose the slightly more responsible one, the older, slightly more responsible one to to put down on the list. Mm-hmm. But we had a deal. You know, we could tune out the entire world. Her sister was saying, "Pull the plug, pull the plug." I'm like, "No, no, that's just not a decision that wow. that was ever to be made because there was brain activity." But we could tune out all the noise as long as we could look at each other and look in the mirror and be okay with whatever we were deciding. And we were making big, scary decisions. Well, right, because she was in Boca Raton, and the Boca Raton Hospital did not have the capability to do the procedure that would have been required to save her. They said, however, to get her to Miami where they can do the procedure that could save her, she might not survive the ride. It was against medical advice. There was a very arrogant doctor who was the first one who said that he didn't recommend doing surgery that you just, you know, let nature take its course or, or let, let whatever was going to happen happen. Um, and uh, I had asked him about all of these state-of-the-art, you know, the googly amy coiling procedure mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And if they had a transcranial Doppler to monitor the pressure in her brain. And he said, you know, I went to medical school, so you wouldn't have to. And um, he said, if you decide to transport her by ambulance to Miami, to Jackson Memorial Medical Center, affiliated with the University of Miami, where they could do, you know, the top-notch surgeons could do this, Mm -hmm. it's on you if she dies. Why, because, like, the bumping in the car right over there might, like, do something with... Yeah, the guy guy was a cocksucker, and, like, we, we were... We um we looked at each other and we've always kind of said in our family that if there is a chance at like quality of life yeah if if, if there's like a, a guarantee of of low quality of life but you'll go for a long time 
or you can take a risk, but it might actually greatly improve things. We've always said, you know, take the risk. Yeah, the Um, the ambulance ride was a no-brainer. It was not a no-brainer at the time. I, uh, but I could not have made that decision that I, that might have killed her, but might have saved her, if we not hadn't a, done it together. Right. Not, a no, not a no-brainer, but it was the decision. That yeah, it's make. what we knew she would have wanted, and but I, we made the, it together, which is what was okay. Um, and then days, tur- you know, she survived, but there were complications. Days turned into months. Um, she had and how many brain surgeries? Two. Two brain surgeries, but she was on a ventilator um, for four months, and then she was weaned off the ventilator, and then she was released to my care, which is a whole nother story. But while she was in this nursing home, um, she went from the ICU to the regular hospital to the hospital that specializes in ventilators, Vencor, where to get weaned off of the ventilator, and then to a nursing home, and then home. So there were a few step down phases. Mm-hmm. In the nursing home, or maybe it was the ventilator hospital, there was this nurse who was really rough changing mom's diaper. You know, she had a catheter, a feeding tube. She was in bed. They tend to keep patients sedated when they're on the ventilators. They don't fight with it. Yeah. And this woman, I wanted to rip her throat out. I wanted to stab her eyes. I, you know, I may be a glover, not a fighter, but I just, you know, she was manhandling my mom like a sack of potatoes. And I wanted her fired. I wanted to, like, destroy her. I was so emotional and angry and protective. And here is my helpless mom. And I am in charge. You know, I am her protector. And this woman is just, like, rolling her over. And, like, like she is some sort of sack of, of grain, and um, Steve was with me, and, and I was ready to just go off. And he said, oh, no, Sims, uh-uh. Because you know what's going to happen. Like, you're going to rat out this nurse who is probably doesn't give a shit, and she's going to get really pissed and resentful, and the minute we're gone, she's going to take it out on Mom. Let me handle it. Wow. And this is where Steve's, like schmoozy you know teachers who were always saying you know like he's like i'll show her a backflip she's gonna love it steve just always kind of charmed his way out of trouble i mean even frick even in jail like where being as adorable as you are you certainly could have had a negative experience but instead you entertained everybody and became their you know best bro and the most interesting like you've just always had people skills that i might have lacked and um so you charmed that nurse you you talked to her you found out about her family about you know you thanked her damned if you didn't become her like bff and bring we brought her some chocolates or something or brought the whole nursing staff chocolates so that mom would get you know treated really nicely because smart he he totally you know his diplomacy was so superior to my like grizzly bear protective Mm -hmm. you know role reversal mama bear cub kind of Mm -hmm. thing and um that happened uh, you know a, a, a few different times but um between the two of us you know there came a time after mom was released home to my care where I was pretty good at, you know, hiring the nurses' aides and 
managing her medication schedule and her appointments and all of the daily care and the feedings and how many calories were going to go in and and um, getting like the wheelchair van and the ramp for the house because there were a couple of little like step up, step down situations. And Steve was just not like good at any of that, all of that adulting stuff. Um, But he was um, like super supportive um, of me for sure. And um, at some point it was like, look, we don't both have to be here. Like this doesn't have to clip both of our wings. You know, I'm good. I'd gotten a job at at the newspaper um, and uh, we'd moved officially into her house and um, there was a cruise ship opportunity out of Miami. Right. Oh. I mean, I, I was pretty clear that I wasn't going to add any value by just being a loser and eating the food. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like just to, just you were never there. a loser, though. You made her laugh. Like when you got shit and fuck tattooed on your knuckles and stuff. Like the last time she ever laughed. I don't think that's necessary. She was in, in that was at the end. Okay. It was October of 2003 when I got oh, shit wow. and fuck tattooed on my knuckles. But like, and even- I flew home, I flew home, and she was in bed with the do not resuscitate order, and it was the end. Did Did your mom ever see you on TV? <sighs> not, not, um, not. No, uh, Jackass the, had had been picked up. No, well, no, no. 1998. I, mom's aneurysm was October 10th of 1998. But she passed away in on, on November seventh of two thousand three, and um, by two thousand three, Cassie right. had been born. You know, like a jackass. Well, for sure, but mom, mom was never uh, like she was less coherent it, it, by the it, time it Jackass after, came yeah, out. She was, she was. It was after her aneurysm. Yeah, that, that all that happened. Yeah, and, but and, and before, you know, I would show my mom. Yeah, before her aneurysm, I would show her my stunt videos and stuff, and she was just like. She was never once, like, concerned, like, for my safety. It wasn't like, oh, my God, like, you're going to get hurt. But she was just like, how is there money in this? (laughs) (laughs) How is there money? That was her only concern. It was that she's just like, you know, like, show me the money. You know, mm-hmm. like, where's the, like, uh, like you don't have a pot to piss in. Like, <laughs> like I'm not impressed by your your stupid fucking VHS tape because you're broke and you're sleeping in my fucking house and mm-hmm. you have no money and, like, you're a slob and you have bad breath. <laughs> you know? Ouch! No, <laughs> no, 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 that yeah, is Cindy, just... would she have said that or, or not, what? I mean, no, she wouldn't have okay, said all she that. She totally would say, you know, don't be a loser. Don't be, you know, don't end she, up... She, she, she saw that Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire, and that was her thing. Show me the money. Show me the money, <laughs> yeah. But growing up, like, it was always... I was more like dad. Um, you were more like mom. And um, in some ways, we grew up with different parents. Like, we're only three and a half years apart in age. But the break, the you know, their marriage kind of falling apart happened when you were in high school um, after I had already moved out. Yeah. And um, and when I was growing up, they were super strict. And, you know, there's also sexism involved, daughter versus son. But um, my, you know, from my grades to my curfews and all of that, everything was very, like, uptight and strict. And by the time Steve hit high school, dad was away a lot. And, uh, you know, we discovered later why. Um, and mom would, you know, liked to get into the liquor. She would 
kind of check out while he was gone and then clean up a little when he came back, you know, before he came back. Mm -hmm. But Steve was ready, you know, able to run buck wild, you know, completely unsupervised. I was Um, going full Pippi Longstock. (laughs) (laughs) That that Um, was in London. That was England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh So in in that respect, we grew up with different parents. But um, mom, like, you smoked weed with mom. I did smoke weed. And you drank with mom. uh And I never did either of those things. And you you used to tell dirty jokes, like the one about the Cheetos. When I I smoked weed with mom, like, she was drunk at the time. And, like, I, I... don't remember that fun it was i was just like here she was drunk and i was like here mom here's a joint she's like you know like it wasn't rad like there was nothing cool about that and um you know like because mom was that way she she really cared about how uh, we would reflect on her. Appearances mattered a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, like we that. always cleaned mm-hmm. up the house before guests right. came. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have company. Not like friends are coming. We're gonna have company. It right. was like an so official Put on a nice word. shirt and like yeah. comb your hair. Elbows off the table. Right. And and when when they had company, meaning like they're they're like you know showing they, off for their friends. They, they, they would have these like dinner parties. Their friends would come over, and it would just be a a brag fest. It would just be like what like oh well. You know, we just bought this, or like we just have this, or our kid just got into this university, and mm-hmm. it was just a fucking just. A As a no- kid, were you able to realize like this is kind of yeah, weird? Yeah, for sure, yeah. it was just an obnoxious pissing match. Is that and, why you don't like the like you don't want to buy a fucking Ferrari or something right now? And you hate flashiness. I think so. You're yeah, not flashy I, I at all. I don't like flashiness, and and as I grew up, you know, Cindy moved out of the house when I was twelve. And the no, ha- I did not. Yeah, That'd be uh-huh. you be fifteen. Um, I was not done. fifteen. You, I was. You went to boarding school when I was, when I was sixteen. Was, I was a year. I graduated from high school at seventeen, so it was well, sixteen to seventeen. Okay, seventh grade is when you're twelve, and my birthday's in June. So like the tail. <laughs> I think it was eighth grade, but no, okay. no, I was, I was, I was in seventh because grade I was a day student at Havergal when you were at Bayview, Bayview Glen. Okay. Doesn't matter. But our house got bigger and bigger as we grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, dad became more and more successful as we grew up and the house the house got bigger and I was like embarrassed of the house. I might have felt uncomfortable about the way my house got bigger as I grew up, but I am not uncomfortable about the way my wiener gets bigger and harder when I use blue chew tablets. I said it, okay? If I'm getting ready to take Lux to Bone Town, then about a half an hour beforehand, you know it, I'm chewing up a Blue Chew tablet. Why? Because it's delicious. It's got the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis, except it only costs a fraction of the price. And when we're ready to go to Bone Town, man, my Blue Chew tablets make it count. So much fun. If you've ever wondered whether or not Trying Blue Chew tablets is fun. I can assure you it is. Lux loves it so much, sometimes she'll leave one out on the table. On a plate, she'll say, honey, I made you dinner. I'll come upstairs and see a Blue Chew tablet, and I know it's going down. Yeah, man, but maybe you're wondering, don't I need a prescription for that? Well, yeah. 
but you don't have to go to the doctor's office for some awkward in-person visit. Hell no. You go to bluechew.com and you consult with one of their medical providers right there on the site. Super fast, super easy, and when you use the promo code Stevo, get this. They'll they will send you an entire month's supply of Blue Chew tablets for free. All you got to pay is 5 bucks for shipping. So, yeah, I'm telling you, it's a blast. It's easy and it's free. All you got to pay is five bucks for shipping. What are you waiting for? Get over to bluechew.com. Use the pro promo code Stevo. Watch your wiener get bigger and harder and use it for good. Yeah, dude, bluechew.com. Now, let's get back to the house. Mm. And um, in high school, if I was, if I overslept or just was running late in the morning and wasn't in time to skateboard to school, I would be forced to catch a ride with dad in his chauffeur-driven car. <laughs> and dad would be in the back seat of his car with his chauffeur driving him, reading his newspaper. And I would ride shotgun... And then when we pulled up to the school and I got out, I would hug the driver because I didn't want anybody knowing I'd been chauffeur-driven to school. Wow. I would just hug the driver and be like, yeah, you know, and I wouldn't even acknowledge it. I'd just hug the driver and get out and, like, uh, you know, I'd want them to drop me off, like, a little further down the block. Uh-huh. And, and, and I was always looking to be, from, from a pretty young age, like, I didn't like having kids over to our house because I just didn't want people to see. Mm -hmm. well, mom didn't want kids over. Um, like, right. it was... In my parenting life, my house is the house that every teenager within about five miles just migrates to, and um, it's an open door. You know, mm -hmm. we had a fingerprint lock for a long time, and there are about 20 different fingers on mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the fingerprint lock. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's totally the house in the neighborhood that all the kids hang out at. But mm -hmm. when we were growing up, partly because of mom's drinking and her, you know, image sensitivity and right. what the kids might say to their parents or whatever, it was very, you know, like we didn't have people over. And if you asked to have a sleepover, it was a big deal because mom would be weighing like, oh, crap, okay, I'm going to have to cook dinner. I'm going to have to, you know, mm -hmm. tidy up. There's no upside. It's all downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we just knew, kind of knew better than to ask. Yeah. And I think that's really common with adult children of alcoholics where you, you grow up it, that way. It's funny that you think of it that way because for me, I just didn't want to be at home. I was like, 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 whose, house, like whose house can I go to today? You know? And it was pretty much always Abdullah's house. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and but the thing is that, you know, that, that's just very much like, like mom and dad... For for better or worse, and you know I love my dad, you know I love my mom. For so sure. I'm not talking shit on anybody. But the fact is, they thought that because they had money, that made them better than people. Mm. Well, you know, and like, look, we people, are, the apple did not fall that far for either of us. Because although we're not materialistic in that way, um, we did sort of learn that like lines are for losers who can't figure out like a way to avoid waiting in the line. We're not like British or Canadian where we queue up, you know, we, right. we definitely look for the angles and, and things like speed limits or no trespassing signs are because, you know, some people aren't as smart as we are and need like to be protected <laughs> yeah. from injury. Right, those are for the but, dumb sheep. Well, for, yeah. for people who 
aren't aware of their limits. But if you actually have physical prowess or skills and, and you are aware of the risks and can do the cost benefit analysis, then go proceed at your own risk. Like it's a suggestion. The rules and the speed limits are a suggestion that are very helpful for people who right. might not be as smart as we are. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Working with Steve, like he'll give me, you know, like five things to do. And it's like, he doesn't give a fuck about the minutia of why or why not this person say I can't. He's like, is it done yet or is it not? Like, <laughs> that, you know, it's, I just, I figured that Shady out. Shady Scott's quickly. just going to make it happen. Yeah. 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 He don't, doesn't don't, care the progress. Bottom line. Great. When are we going? Yeah. Yeah, but, and that's, that's all dad. And, and the, the social, you know, the, the charming holding court, you know, telling stories, like, that's all mom. And, um, you know, people think that we're so different. Um, and in some ways we are. Like, I, I was a high school teacher for 10 years, and I would remember, um, for 10 years, I crushed dreams. Because there was always a new kid who kind of didn't know. And they'd be like, dude, we got Glover for history. This is going to be totally rad. And then a week later, they'd be like, wow, this is not that rad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, um, yeah, do you do a lot of kids like they do you have to say like, yes, my brother is Steve-O. Let's move on. Like, do you have to kind of oh, make well, an announcement any, I mean, or something? I'm not a teacher anymore. Like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm on my fourth career. But um, the uh, in all those years of teaching, people would, you know, the the, the kids who didn't, really know Glover's reputation um, would be so stoked like you know jackass history and then <laughs> whoa yeah um, but it's funny there used to be this weird thing they'd do at school at our school it was a private school where they'd come back from Christmas break on a Thursday the public schools didn't come back until Monday and the students had class like Thursday and Friday after being off for you know almost a month and the edict from the administration was you had to teach something meaningful, even though half of the kids were going to be absent. Hmm. Um, you couldn't just, you know, show a video. You had to do something meaningful. But there was no point in starting the new chapter because come Monday, you'd have to reteach it all. Mm -hmm. And the um, I taught juniors and seniors. And they'd be like, way too cool to show up on that stupid Thursday and Friday, you know, and um, so there were a couple of years where I brought Steve in mm. as a guest lecturer, but I didn't tell anybody. You know, he he taught my economics, a couple of sections of my economics well, class. I went in with dad. Yeah. Dad and, and I taught economics. Really? How, what years? So you taught the curriculum? Like, that's well, what you went was, in? He was a guest, a guest yeah. lecturer. Yeah. Just and, like, um, what so year? Like, uh... In this would have been 2007 or 2008, I think. So you're like on ketamine going into this school? <laughs> How did you get past the, the, no, no, the, the drug wore, dogs? You wore dad's Mirasol golf shirt, you know, like the, um, but look, the funny thing is that Steve came in and, um, you know, this served a couple of purposes. First of all, I was going to have him do a guest lecture about the economics of Hollywood. And ha and um, second of all, you know, this was going to kill time because half the kids were going to be absent, but... On Monday morning, the kids who missed it would be like, oh, man. And, you know, that would show them mm -hmm. to yeah. blow off my class. There you go. And so Steve came in to, you know, a, a slightly lower census than usual. But I had him talk about the economics of Hollywood. And so here, you know, he's talking about legitimate, you know, the mistakes he didn't make with his money. 
um, how, you know, dad had taught him about all these football players who made millions and then blew it and and not how to not be that guy. But also he would talk about how he barely made any money the first season of Jackass and um, the importance of having a good vocabulary and being able to read a contract that would, you know, sign away rights to, no, 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 a, a, no, to no, footage. The importance of having someone read your contracts <laughs> for you. you knew, <laughs> yeah. But you knew what the words in all media and perpetuity meant right. and that that was not something that you particularly wanted right. to sign. So having a good vocabulary comes in handy. I mean, being able to hire people comes sure. in handy too. Having a good but, lawyer comes but really in handy. having yeah. vocabulary means that you are less likely to get ripped off and, and you can read stuff, even if you, you know, often choose not to. At least it'll get read. Um, but, you know, you were smart enough to get into the University of Miami. I think you got, you know, 1250 on your SATs. Mm, I think it was like 1190. Okay, but I did smoke pot immediately before. <laughs> the thing is that like you're more like me than most people realized because you are intelligent, you're articulate, you follow the news, you know, you you're definitely in those sessions they got to see that like there's this persona but when Steve's at home he's not throwing himself off buildings and smashing his ear and stuff. It's um, that's the O. He's not jacking off out of airplanes on his downtime. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but, um, and then, you know, the uh, you would take a, a selfie with every kid in the class, and, and that was super cool. But you had, like, a teacher in you. Like, part, you, you have an ability to communicate and educate and all of that. And, um, and I think that's really cool. And, um, you're also, I think, um, more like me than people realize in that the journalism, you, my first career for eight years was as a newspaper reporter, interviewing people and, and being a journalist. And look at you, like podcast 100. Yeah. You've, yeah, yeah, how about that? You interview people. Well, I bored sit people down so that I can talk at them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't dominate the conversation nearly as much as you used to. I, I still sure. I still do it a lot. Every now and then you get real excited. <laughs> it sucks because the more like excited I am, like the more I blow it. Well, especially if you know the per like for Knoxville, yeah. like you know him so well, and you got all these stories you want him to tell, and so you're gonna just tell it to him. But then, uh, oftentimes we have someone where you don't know them as well, right. like Mom Bialik or something, and then it's like, you know, you're just asking real questions and listening. You're great, but dude. You're I doing totally great. take Thank credit. You. You're welcome for your journalism chops. Nice. I, I mean, hey, I don't, I don't give myself too much credit for for journalism. I, um, I, I've. Absolutely, I'm, I'm honored and grateful for the kind words about my growth as a podcaster, and uh, and I'm touched by how big of a deal is when there are news stories like stemming from an episode of the Wild Ride podcast. Uh, like that's so like you're glowing, you're beaming, you're so like, and and that that means the world to me. I love it. I am so proud of you. But, you know, it's funny because if there is a theme of this episode, it's you not realizing or like being way harder on yourself than I think you should be. Like if I could recalibrate it, you thinking you were much more of a fuck up when you were little than I think you ever were. You thinking, you know, like mom was way harsher. You didn't hear what she was saying. You know, I would hear what she was saying to her friends and she was so proud of you. And um, 
God, we're all so proud of you. I mean, there was a, a time when if we went to McDonald's, it was just understood that I would pay. <laughs> you know, just, oh, yeah. um, you know, I mean, there didn't need to be any conversation or anything. And um, the fact, just what you have done, you know, there was a time when you would have described yourself as lazy and you work so incredibly hard at the things that you believe in. Like right now, you're touring, you've got the book coming out, you're doing the podcasts, you're, you know, you just finished doing all of the media for Jackass Forever. Your schedule is insane. And that is not like the lazy slacker pothead guy who, you know, maybe rolls out of bed to do a backflip or, you know, <laughs> right. a kickflip or, yeah. you know, something like, oh, I guess I'll do a skate sesh, but then I'm going to need a nap. You know, like, I mean, we still nap like champs, but you are. Um... Well, well, thank you for that. And you know, one thing for that that really, really means so much that, like, given how much mom cared about appearances, how much she cared about about wealth, you know, like all of these things, um, I just think mom would have loved to have been on a red carpet uh, at a one of our Jackass movie premieres. I think she would have been so fucking funny making fun of me like she would have just been roasting me for all the stuff yeah. that I was doing but like she would also be really really uh, I just wish that I could have had that experience to share with mom and I also wish that uh, we could have gotten sober together like I, I wonder if, if we were in a fellowship of of, uh, of recovery together if, if the, the abuse that led to the aneurysm you know, you know, um, if, if mom and I were sober together and like, God, I wish I could have had a relationship with her and, and us both be sober. We did like she did string together one year of sobriety at right. one point, And um, she yeah. did like, you know, drop a few pearls of AA wisdom on you. Um, but there were five years, five years and one month between her aneurysm and when she passed away. And I believe that at age 51, when she had the aneurysm, she absolutely was not ready. Um, but she made a decision about four months before she passed away. And in, to the extent that she was able to communicate, I don't know if you remember this, she said no more hospitals. Like, she was done. She had had the um, infection with the, the methicillin-resistant staph, uh, the MRSA infection, um, she was getting the vancomycin, like IV antibiotics that are super intense. Um, but at one point she said no more hospitals and she decided, like, I think that at the point a few months before she passed away, cause I was always, I was already planning for another 15 years. Like I, we totally didn't expect her to pass away when she did physically. She was pretty healthy, even though she was disabled, I thought she was going to live another 15 years. You know, we were planning for that. Um, but I think that at the point when she made that decision, she knew I was going to be okay. Like, I had left journalism. I had um, was getting my teaching certificate. Um, I had decided to become a single mom by choice. I had Cassie. She was almost one and a half at that point. You, you know... Between Famous, Incarcerated, or Dead, Jackass had been picked up by MTV. The first season was... Uh, well, the first movie came out in 2002. 
Right. So the first movie had happened. The the um, at that point you were now recognizable to the point where the only place I could take you was Costco because any where the old people didn't know you, but everywhere mm-hmm. else it was pretty rough. Remember how much we loved going to Costco because you could like stroll around, look at electronics, and besides an employer or two. It was just not the demographic <laughs> that you had to worry about. But if you lost your computer charger and I took you to the mall, all of a sudden these kids would just be like texting each other and stalking us to the food court or the elevator. We just couldn't go anywhere. But at the point that mom decided she was done, like she knew I was going to be okay. I had casts. I you know had a new career. She knew you were going to be okay between like famous incarcerated or dead. It looked like the needle had landed on famous. Um, and... Uh, you know, as far as the things that she would have worried about, I think she was like, okay, you know, they're good. They, they're launched. They're going to be all right. I don't have to, you know, stick around. Um, and um, she made a decision and within three months, that was that. You know, we got hospice care and um, we were both there, but um, <clears throat> she didn't Hospice leave. care at the house. At the house, Yeah home hospice but she didn't let go until she knew you were going to be okay and then we we had her ashes sitting on the top shelf in this closet i we had never talked about like we knew that as a family we're kind of not that big on cemeteries because you're taking up you know, a plot of land that'll never be usable for anything else. Um, it it seemed, and it's, it's creepy. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's, uh, it, 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 it's just, you know. The exact it, reason Steve hates cemeteries. It's, it's so creepy, funny. you know. It's, yeah, it's, um, it's counterproductive, it's creepy, and, and, and it's wasteful. like, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Mm-hmm. You know, burial makes the whole world a cemetery. So we knew we were going to have her cre- <laughs> we knew we were going to have her cremated, but we didn't know what to. I didn't know what to do with it with these ashes. Like, what, uh-huh. I mean, we didn't have like a vault or anything. And, and, and she didn't have a particular place that she loved. Sure. We didn't have, you know, we've moved around so much yeah. um, growing up that it wasn't like we had a really special place on the globe where you could like put a push pin and that was like our place. And so dad, like, like it, it had been like a, n- a number of years. The mom's ashes were just in this closet and our, our dad goes to, uh, um, a, a, some psychic and out of nowhere, the psychic says, Hey, your ex wife, uh, needs to be, set free or released or, or released. something like her ashes like being in the cloud like her soul needs, or spirit needs, is stuck needs closure and that was just like dude, i kind of have major goosebumps just saying that like that's pretty specific mm-hmm. you know like the ashes like to refer to the ashes so in, in december of 2011 cindy and i finally right you well, know by what? then but, you had started surfing well no 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 and when when I, I I pissed somebody off really badly when I was in rehab in 2008, I like uh, it, it was one there was an older guy, and we were in some group, and I was like you know, I just said for some reason in this group I said I never want to snort anything again in my life except maybe a line of my mom's ashes, 
I'm just being like, well, I don't even know what the fuck. And this this old guy was like very offended by that. Well, yeah, I never actually meant to snort my mom's ashes. But in December of 2011, Cindy and I like paid for like a a, a charter a, a boat charter boat to, to go, go out, out on the inter- to scatter her at sea. Yeah, and it just so happened that when a gust of wind, well, yeah, it was choppy seas. It was windy as hell. I go out in the back of the on the like the bow of the boat and and throw the ashes, and the wind fucking blows her ashes into my face, and I was like, like just happened, and 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 I just started laughing. I was like. I just snorted my mom's ashes. <laughs> Mom would have gotten a kick out of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was sort of like a. a everybody and, likes the ocean. And yeah, sure. yeah, you no matter, wrong with the ocean. No matter where we are, yeah. you know, it's a place that we find spiritual. Um, and and right. Steve now surfs on right, it yeah, regularly. So, so th- th- this was December of 2011. I snorted her ashes like by accident. <laughs> We come back and it was just so choppy and such a nightmare, honestly. And we got back. We we drove separately. I, I and believe. we also um, burned her um, journals right, from right, right, AA right, right. and and mm. her amends and and inventory and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, um, just kind of let her. Yeah. All of that stuff go, go in a, yeah, in a bonfire. Cool. And this gnarly picture she had of her mom, all drunk and remember. Her yeah, just. Um, but as we, we we got back to the dock, you know the the um, parking lot of where the, where we went on this charter boat. I, I'm sure we were in separate cars, and we drove you know back back home. As we pulled away, the only time in my life that I can ever remember seeing uh, two completely distinctly separate rainbows, like just so pronounced. And and like we drove from scattering our ashes, and I was just like looking at these. They were huge, and there were. And you're two not saying one double rainbow. You're not, saying a rainbow here, and then over there, there's right. another rainbow. I, like, yeah, I mean, they were so distinctly separate. Yeah, it's amazing. And and I, I like it. It it was very impactful to me. I thought, wow, like, like that's a one rainbow for me, and it's one rainbow for Cindy, and. Um, it, and it just so happened that the very next month, January of 2012, I uh, you know went on tour to Hawaii and like I did, someone's like, dude, you want to go surfing? I'm like, dude, it's the last thing I want to do is go surfing. But they just I was like, oh, all right. And, and I had so much fun. I had so you much. You caught fun. the bug. And then I caught the bug. And then now, so we, we'd scattered mom in the ocean, and then from that point on. All I wanted to do was be in the ocean. I just fell in love with surfing. I surfed all the time. And whenever I was in the ocean and saw a rainbow, like, like that. Like, hey, Ma. Big moment, yeah. Yeah, that was always, like, a big thing. That's cool. Yeah, so cool. Rainbow, rainbows are my deal. Lux's nice. thing is, is owls. Owls uh, for Lux and rainbows for me. Rainbows in the ocean. Rainbows in the ocean are big time extra. Epic. Yeah. Hey, Cindy, you referenced a dirty Cheeto joke earlier. And we never got the joke. And I got to imagine someone sitting here thinking, what's the fucking Cheeto joke? Um, you know, it's funny because our mom had, just like with Steve, there's like Steve-O and then sure. there's Steve. Uh-huh. Our mom had her like prim and proper, you know, this is me having company. Company version, yeah. And then with her friends, you know, a couple of sips in, she loved a dirty joke. And there well, was right, some, and, and her, there was one about this. I, I remember the, the Cheeto joke. I'll tell it. <laughs> But, you, um, you're right. comedic, I'm, I'm going to defer Scott? on comedic timing yeah. to Steve, but 
Yeah. This guy, he goes to the doctor. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, right and, and my mom and, I mean, everybody on my mom's side of the family, like, like with the exception of our generation, you know, like from my mom's generation and older, like my mom had a, a brother and a sister. The three siblings are all dead and all from like cirrhosis of the liver, like, like. Alcohol clearly shortened their lifespans. We are seventh generation alcoholics as far as we know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it could certainly go back farther and it's on mom's side. There's there's mental health. Like uh, alcoholism, addiction. It's depression, bipolar. And mom um, and and her sister. This was a joke in my first uh, thing about how while I was in clown college, my my cousin was in mortician school <laughs> and so that's my mom and her sister and they were having they were just getting hammered arguing over whose son was a bigger loser whether it was <laughs> me in clown college or her you know but that's not the cheeto joke right now i know that but but that was I just, it's, it's a time when i remember them laughing because that like they were cracking themselves up like trying to win like they were like arguing each other like debating like no no come on my son's a fucking clown i definitely win <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but know, like, my son has the hots for dead bodies yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. like uh but but the cheeto joke I mean, it wasn't necessarily that great but the guy goes to the doctor he's like doctor like my like i'm freaking out my fucking dick turned orange you know like i'm the fucking like you know like and the doctor like you know runs some just everything is like pretty normal you know like there isn't really nothing wrong with you like um like maybe it's like work-related stress and he says doctor i don't even have a job he says well what do you do he says i just sit at home and watch porno and eat cheetos <laughs> now the, the reason that that like <laughs> the unexpected thing is that coming out of our mom with right. her hair and her manicures and her gucci purse Hilarious. and her golf shirts and her like meticulously clean house and her mercedes like mm-hmm. she was such a boca babe mm-hmm. and yet you know these um occasionally she you know would come out with an unexpected profanity yeah. or an unexpected um yeah she, she definitely had like a naughty side to her and yeah, um and, and, she was a party girl in her 20s and uh, before dad um Mom and I used to fucking crack up yeah. we would laugh our fucking asses off and in the face of like you know like we, we we could laugh when shit was not going good. What would she have thought of the bucket list show last night? She's been. Uh, I think um, I am. I have the toughest time with the parts where you're getting hurt. Like I don't like the post vasectomy hanging upside down. Like <laughs> I don't like seeing your ear bleeding. Things things where where you are in pain. Um, I absolutely hate. I think she would definitely have laughed about the um, the naughtier everything about the, the piss. intimacy. I, I think we all hate the the urine stuff. And um, mom had a little bit of germophobia. I don't. I think that you know, having trained as a nurse, because when she after she graduated from co- from high school. Um, her dad thought college was wasted on a girl because, you know, they're just going to get married and 
so he wasn't willing to pay for it and the only thing that was free was nursing school but with her nurse training it was really hard for us to pretend to be sick um, oh, yeah. because she was like, no, go to school. <laughs> You're fine. Go to school. Unless she was but, drinking. And then, but, and then she'd be like, hey, let's watch TV all day. But um, <laughs> the uh, she definitely would be aware of in a an inflatable swimming pool full of urine that had percolated for a while, <laughs> what the load of bacteria and stuff is in there. <laughs> like that would not have been her jam at all. Um, but of course she'd been proud of you. I mean, people cheering your name like your your name on the marquee all of those people standing in line and just like thrilled and you making their day um your people skills your ability to like entertain and hold court and make people laugh definitely didn't come from dad you know um your business sense your ability to hawk the merch did but um, there is a direct line between your theatricality and showmanship and and warmth and charisma and mom. And um, of course, she'd have been proud. Like if you you gotta know that in your soul and in your heart because for sure, for sure. Um, I, I, I do, and I just wish that I could have shared. I know, and part of what has driven you to be so successful, and part of what drives you to work so hard, is a bit of insecurity. And you know that's not the worst thing in the world. It, it moves a lot of people. I certainly have my own share of you know trying to get dad's approval and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But. Um, you are too hard on yourself because she was proud of you already um showed off you know and um she was also very proud about how handsome you are oh yeah wow oh yeah i don't remember that Oh, yeah. I know she was proud about herself being attractive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she was very pretty from the photos. Yeah, she really was. Uh-huh. Um, there, did, did, did you know, I should, I should admit this maybe, that um, there, there's a, when I was in Canada doing stand-up, and just about every time, that I went to Canada and did stand-up, I would say, hey, guys, you know, like, uh, I'm Canadian because my mom was born in Canada. She actually went to high school with Tom Green's mom. But my mom was a way bigger slut. (laughs) 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 And, like, uh, I know, I'm just kidding, whatever, you know. I'm just kidding. Our image-conscious mom would not have been stoked on that. (laughs) <laughs> I know, she should hate it. She hate it, but it was clear that I was making a joke. Yeah, you know, clear that I was making a joke, and she definitely had bigger tits. I she did. She might have mentioned if you got it, flaunt it. Yeah, know, a couple uh, of times. And what, wasn't Mom pretty proud that uh, the, the first day she. Um, I went on a date with dad that she was like rushing from a previous date or something. <laughs> she was definitely not that stoked on him. Um, but you know, she gave him another chance. And what, what, what he grew so, on her. What's so great she, too she is said that, no. What's so great about yeah. um, mom, uh, wasn't jumping on the bandwagon of dad's success. Like they, they were, he married. was a debt when she married, when they got yeah. married, like that, like dad became successful after they got together. Yeah. Like they didn't, she and, was and an early adopter. 
I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, and so tell us about what your new job now. <laughs> um, so I was a newspaper reporter for eight years and a high school teacher for 10. Um, I did marketing for six and a half years, and I have just started Career 4.0 working for the city of Lakeland, Florida in the Community and Economic Development Department doing community engagement. So, um, What's the official title? Community Engagement Coordinator. Oh, how about that? Community yeah. engagement, like, what, exact, what is that exactly? Like events <laughs> and stuff? Like in, engaging um, with the community? The, uh, she bridges the gap from the community to the city. Yes, yeah. I like it. Maybe um, talking to a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> she bridges the gap from the community to the city. Yes, yes. that sweet. Exactly. I mean, um, like when you described the the job that you were applying for, it sounded perfect for you. I have adopted a new hometown. Um, one of the things that I'm an anomaly, I don't know, it probably skipped a generation because neither mom nor dad particularly cared about community stuff. Like, we just upped and moved all the time and, you know, they were looking out for the immediate family, but they never felt any great need to, you know, make the world a better place. <laughs> um, certainly that kind of, um, the idea of nonprofit or service or whatever was never really like their jam. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, I'm a foster parent and I have the this invisible sucker tattoo that every pitiful animal in the neck, you know, within a few miles can can detect and they all seem to find me and I've been pretty good at finding them homes uh, of the 13 cats I've fostered most recently, 11 of them were adopted out, one passed away, and we kept one. But I'll, I think one out of 13 ain't bad. No, that's great. I yeah. do not, I'm, I'm not yet officially the crazy cat lady. Um, you're single. You're, you're, I've been single for a really long time, and maybe it's, you know, time to think about doing something about that, but. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, guys now that out Cassie's there. left the nest. Do you have a type that maybe this will audience will it'll reach somebody in Lakeland oh, area that can? Uh, well, now, since we just recently had Maya Bialik, the host of Jeopardy, and Steve Wozniak, and I mean, I think that we might have been broadening our audience of the Wild Ride <laughs> podcast enough to include a a few nerds who might. Oh, maybe we have smart people listening now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a type? Maybe some of you are uh, smart now. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, not not that the people are dumb. No, but I'm just, like, I know what you mean. Right, right, right. But like your type, like the people you look for when you get to a new school. Like where are, where are the nerds? You know, where are the smart people? Yeah. Nerdy's good. Nerdy's, Nerdy's good. good. I am a sucker for um, a guy who can play guitar. Okay. Um, oh, and watch sing. Out. Yeah, like a, anybody who can play guitar and sing. That's uh, you know. Yeah, <laughs> there's a fast track on that. Great, um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it <laughs> and, and you know, pussy eating skills. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you can just <laughs> yeah. There's a whole bunch of, the, of things to get I'm through. Just, but, I'm just kidding. Okay, um, I'm. I'm it's like when I made, made the joke about mom. It's a joke. It's like, nice joke, Gilly. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't always cool. Like I, I 
I don't, know, I don't know that I'm cool now, but uh, is it um, nap time? This is done. Is there is there anything that that uh, I, I love you so much? I, I love I, you I, so much. I love you so much, and um, I was totally going to spill the beans on some of the stuff that like people don't know. Go for it. Like you're afraid of roller coasters. Yeah, even though I'm I pretty mean, candid about that. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I mean, you are, your wuss cred is is pretty strong. Like when we go to theme parks and stuff, you won't go on anything that Dylan, my younger son. Who well, ha- well, I mean, it was really more like Cassie, who's now sort of you know in college, but but going back ten years, Cassie was, I don't know. I guess ten years ago, Cassie was was ten. ten but I remember like Cassie being eight, eight years old. And, and like, we would go to Orlando to, you know, the Universal theme park and, and I would wait at the exit of the roller coaster. Yeah, you would babysit Dylan while we went on all the thrill rides right. and, and you would, wouldn't ride anything that Dylan and, at age five wouldn't and, go and on. And if Dylan was not with us, I would still be waiting at the <laughs> exit of the roller coaster. We'd go, I'm not getting on it. And you have a whole stand-up bit about how adamant you are about not being a parent. Yeah. But you are fucking good with kids. And your uncle skills, like your uncling, I mean, it's partly because you are a kid in disguise. Um, but your right. ability it's to... not much of a disguise. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but... Um, you know, when you think back to like swinging Cass around until sure. until she would get dizzy and and walk and pass out yeah. and like holding her and carrying her, like you have this mushy, fuzzy, like playful uncle, but also nurturing uncle um, side. Ah. And and granted, your patience you want nothing to do with diapers unless you're putting shit on a fan and stuff like that. Like, um, poo uh, flying the, around on camera is one thing. Poo in a diaper is a whole different ball game. Did you ever see the, the shit stamp? You saw that, like, uh, when Cassie was a baby? I took you her dirty diaper face. and just smushed it on my forehead. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. if you ever find the pregnant cartwheel, you know, I want to see that. Um, uh, well, did that not make it into the tour video? The pregnant I, I cartwheel. I was that? nine and a half months pregnant because uh-huh. Cass was late. Okay. And Googling, like, how do you in- induce labor? Like, we had a, a, an appointment to induce me a couple of days later. Did you but, do a cartwheel to do it? Um, a friend of Steve's um, yeah. had a gymnastics coach who swore that doing a cartwheel would bring on labor. And at that point, I'd gone for walks around the neighborhood and, so and eating spicy cartwheel. food. And so I did two or three cartwheels at nine and a half months pregnant. Wow. Cassie's first stunt. And nice. Steve yeah. filmed it. It yeah. still Her took a Pitocin and... and I, uh, I, I think that might live in the Don't Try This On Volume Tour. Or hmm. the Volume 2, the tour video. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it. But yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, Cindy can call me out, I'm definitely a pussy. Like, when it comes to roller coasters, when it comes to bungee jumping, I don't like it, I don't want to do it. You're smarter than people think, you're not nearly as brave as people think. Not nearly um, as brave. Which, you're not that great an actor. I mean, I love you, and you're really hey. good on camera, and your presence, and your timing, and all of that is fantastic. Um, and and certainly, like, your ability to to be filmed... But you cannot pretend and and 
like inhabit a character who's very different from yourself and I, I like think, i think I, I stand a chance of of that you can uh, go about 10 degrees to the right or to the left of I your wonder. your own experience but to but, but whatever yeah i'm not okay, gonna i, mean, I'm not I, gonna I, say I don't know i don't know that you could necessarily like pretend to be somebody very very different from yourself um maybe you could now but the um because certainly at the beginning of Jackass, maybe less so now, your acting chops weren't all that. The The reason so many of those clips are funny is because you are legitimately terrified. Yeah. Um, I mean, watching a brave person jump off a cliff yeah. is just kind of not that... It's not funny. It, it's not that funny. It's not that right. exciting. Watching somebody who's scared out of their mind, but de so sure. desperate for attention that they will do something they absolutely loathe and despise... Now there, you've got some material. Mm -hmm. And the only reason so much of that is funny is because you are scared out of your mind. Um, yeah. And so people are like, does your brother even feel pain? Like, is how did he get so brave? Yeah, I'm like, well, I might have dropped him on his head once or twice when he was little, but he is a total, like his man colds are ridiculous. He's a total wuss. Uh -huh. And um, he's not that brave. Like when you see the face, that's because he's actually feeling it. He's not pretending for the camera. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you're so much smarter and um, and like softer and mushier than people would think. Well, thank you, Cindy. Um, and yeah, I think I, I don't know if I have anything else. I think uh, this was amazing. It was long. <laughs> I think we went way over. It was one of our longer shows. Yeah. Why, why, how long is it? Hour been? twenty. Wow. Yeah. I was like, uh, feel free to trim it. I was no, like, Steve likes to. to do 50 minutes. If it's a really good podcast, it's an hour to hour and 10. And this is an hour and 20. Oh, there you're we the, go. The I best. love you so much. We didn't even talk about my adrenaline junkie stuff, but that's a, I right. mean, when we were kids, you loved roller coasters and I hated them. And early in my journalism career, you know, I wanted to interview the death row inmates and go out oh, and like okay. at one o'clock in the morning and interview the drug dealers and the prostitutes and, and stuff like that. And, um, understand like why they did what they did. I want to interview a death like row that. inmate. You guys could do it together. <laughs> Maybe you can get us a contact into somebody on death row and we'll interview them. You can help us source that. So, some, the guys I interviewed are still there because, um, you, you know, know. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, um, like, it's a life sentence. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, but um, but yeah, like that that sort of fascination with with crazy stuff. It certainly like it went away once I had kids. Right. I'm not putting myself in harm's way or taking risks so much anymore. Mm -hmm. But right. um, but that you come by that honestly too. Um, but yeah, this this was good. Yeah, I love it. I love you. Thank you so much. I would not normally ask people if they want to promote anything, but I don't think that you want to promote anything. You know what? I'll promote one thing. Okay. I mentioned I'm a foster parent. Um, there is a critical shortage of foster homes right now. There were recently a bunch of news stories about kids having to sleep in social work offices. Um, there is especially a shortage of homes for kids with special needs, teens, and sibling groups. And um, if anybody has ever like had it in their heart or thought about maybe you know you've got a spare room maybe your kids are leaving the nest or um you you've got an only child and you know maybe a sibling would be good i just you know it's not easy like teenagers aren't easy mine might have crashed the car the other night um but oh my gosh it is so like 
fulfilling. It is so fulfilling. It has enriched my life in so many ways. I didn't know anything about special needs before my son was born with Down syndrome and autism, but I um, he has made us all such better people. Um, you know, our joke is be more like Dill. He's our little life coach. Um, the world would be a better place if everybody knew how to just be like Dill. Hmm. Um, so I would say um, my plug is take a class. Like they're online. Uh, they're usually about three weeks um, in Florida. There are, uh, there's Heartland. Beca- take a class to become a foster parent. Yes, because before anybody will place a child with you, you have to be licensed. And in order to be licensed, you take a class and then there's a home study. And once, um, you, once you are licensed and do take on foster children, they actually give you money to, to do that. Yeah, the state covers the care of the kids. Um, a lot of the kids are available for adoption. Um, and uh, it's just, it, it is so important. And so many of these kids, man, they didn't do anything to deserve the crap that, you know, has come their way. And um, I know that, uh, you know, I'm a parent of five now. I got five names on my necklace. I hatched two. I've acquired three others through my unofficial and then official fostering journey um i'm not done but um it's so important so um yeah maybe we'll throw up a link for just you know find the foster care agency in your area and there's no risk involved really to start by taking the class and then you know exploring find out about it and once people get licensed you can start with respite care where you just do you know a week or two with a kid um, who are in so, transition, they have somewhere to go, but you're a, a, a stop. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's really important. You know, there are a lot of people fostering pets, but there are not as many fostering humans. Um, so that's like the next step. The respite is, it goes big brother, big sister program, and then respite, and then foster. And, and then maybe adoption. But yeah, I mean, there's, um, it's not the same step for everybody. Right. Um, and, um, you know, there, you and I both believe occasionally that, that there's a greater power that puts oh, yeah. people in your path at the right time for the right reason. And, um, you know, if you believe that, then there's a pretty good chance that the right kid who you're meant to carry the next yeah. leg of the, of the journey is going to cross your path. And um, you can open yourself up to that possibility. So I love it. It's that's great, my plug. It's a great plug, and you're a great guest, and you're a great sister. And I and love, I love you. you so much, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. All right. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Feel free to cut that sucker down. But. <laughs> oh, no way. I wish we did more like these. Paul, Paul hates cutting shit down. Yeah, dude. My people. Those of you who stick around to the very end. I call you the street team. Because way back in the beginning, after every episode, I always said, uh, please post uh, a screenshot of something or other and, and uh, tag the guest and you know, let them know and you know, f- let them feel the love. And that was sort of my sneaky way of trying to get everybody to promote the podcast. And, you know, a lot of you did. And I've always been so grateful for that. And I love it so much when I'm on tour and people come up to me and they say, street team. There's different things people say. They say street team. They say it's the age of the selfie. And the crazy, crazy diehards, they say, I'm your second biggest fan. 
it's just all super fun stuff and i love you guys and thank you so much for sticking around through a hundred episodes woof let's go